Backstage, and I and I saw you, and I was like, you know, I bet this audience is woo. I'll ask, and I heard like I think I heard one, ow! That's a rebel, because they're like, I'll say woo, but backwards. Um, word jokes, it's how it's gonna go tonight, yeah. How? I don't know. Why I do all that. It's because of the way I'm dressed. It's because I'm dressed like Professor R and B. That's why. Everybody, open your books to one twelve. Um. Are you feeling okay? You're doing okay? Does everybody understand where you are in your lives right now? Do you wake up in the morning and look at your face in the mirror and go like, I think I understand. Is that where you guys are? It's not where I am. I'm in an interesting place. I'm 34. Beat Jesus by a year, but still I'm in an interesting place. Because I was talking to an insect the other night. That's how you know you're in an interesting place. When you talk to bugs. And in my 20s, it was a different conversation. If I saw a bug, it was like an old enemy that had returned. Just like, Jeremiah D. Cockroach, you know? And I'm like, again? Um, but now in my 30s, it's sort of like, uh, you can stay. Because um, no more energy. No more energy for a squashing. Also, I know now you actually need insects on your side in life. Especially if you want to make it through the motherfucking night. Because when I moved into my apartment, there were nine spiders. I counted. I was like, what, 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 what? That's ten too many spiders! And I killed all of the spiders. Felt great about it. For a week. Because that's when I found out that the crickets had been waiting for that shit. And at first I was mad until I realized, you know what? I'm their Abraham Lincoln. Like, they have been emancipated. Because it was Juneteenth as crickets came out of corners they'd never even seen before. Just going, sweet freedom! The eight-legged masters have been vanquished! How can we praise our savior? I've got an idea, boys. How's about we put on a concert every morning starting at 1 a.m.? But won't he never sleep again? Exactly! He'll be awake to know how much we love him. Let's start. And a one, and a two, and a... <laughs> 2 a.m. 4 a.m. And people ask me, I'll take that half a clap. People ask me, Baron, why don't you kill the crickets? Uh, two reasons. Number one, they match my carpet and I cannot see them. <laughs> Number two, I don't appreciate the music, but I respect the dream. Like, that cricket wants to be somebody. That's why I learned to play that. Hard to crush an insect that tries to participate. Cricket can't do it. A firefly, can you smash those? No, their tails are powered by the dreams of the innocent. And then a bee 
you cannot smash a bee. A bee is one of the noblest creatures on this planet. Every time you've seen a bee, you have been there because you have been behind in the middle of a double shift. That bee is behind on pollination. That bee is behind on honey. And when it comes across you, it doesn't have time for your BS. That's why bees levitate in your face because they're trying to get around you. You're blocking them at a crowded door. That's what a bee is doing. Just, excuse me, 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 excuse me. That's a bee's life. But a wasp can go to hell because... <laughs> Wasps don't do shit. No pollination, no honey, but they still have stingers. What? That's a wasp is unemployed with a weapon. And that's that is definitively a thug. I just got back from the south and boy is my skin tired. You know I like the south even in the face that they have a really cute nickname for racism down there. They call it humidity because they all think it's heat instead of the warm fog of the souls that have been broken. Anyway, I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a beautiful city with an ugly history. So beautiful, incredibly ugly history. Google the Wilmington insurrection. It's not good. They use the word insurrection. Anyway, I'm walking around this slave port knowing for a fact that uh, my people started you know, their journey in North America in that city. And it was really interesting to go to the city where I know, my, I mean, the, the building where I know my people were sold. Very profound experience to just look at it and just be like, now it's a Subway sandwich shop. Like, I don't know <laughs> if that is progress or the most messed up Underground Railroad reference I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> But you'd think if your city is where slavery started, you wouldn't call the major store in the middle of it the cotton exchange. But they do call it that, making me walk by going, I'm not sure that was an exchange, actually. Uh, perhaps I'm entitled to a 100% discount at this store. I'll take all these items. Yes, I'll take that. No need for me to pay. Why not, you ask? I mean... We built this city! That is why. Just as the Muzak has provided me an answer. A song by Civil Rights Starship. <laughs> I uh, have really weird allergies. I was in the emergency room four months ago because I accidentally had butter. Because <laughs> that's how allergic my ass is to dairy. <laughs> that my throat swole up to the point of I could not breathe. It's called anaphylactic shock. And now I have to have an EpiPen on me at all times because nobody knows what dairy is. <laughs> Especially at restaurants. No server, no chef knows what dairy is because I keep having this conversation. I can't have dairy, not because I'm cute, but because it might kill me. Ooh, what about eggs? Eggs are not dairy. But it's from a farm. Dairy is from a cow. Ooh, what about asparagus? That's a vegetable. Ooh, what about arsenic? That's a poison. Ooh, what about arsenic and old lace? That's a play. Ooh, what about the crucible? Different play. Ooh, what about Man Ray? That's an artist. Ooh, what about Ray Manzarek? He's from the doors. Like, nobody knows what dairy is. Also, I'm so allergic to pollen that I'm allergic to weed in California in 2015, where you can get legal marijuana faster than it takes to remember that marijuana means weed. So if I want to get high, guess what I got to do? Take a Benadryl. Oh, my goodness. I'm a cool uncle, and nobody had to have a baby. Got to take a Benadryl. 
trail. Slip myself a few bennies if I want to hang out with the Jets. You know what I'm talking about? You read it in a magazine. <laughs> yes, so crazy allergies, dairy and pollen, so eating and breathing are incredibly dangerous in my life. I actually started calling my allergies my police because they might kill me in a way where most people would be like, well, why were you outside that day? Like, that's how people might react to my imminent death. I know, if you feel weird about race at any point, that's how I wake up every single day. Just black again, hope I make it. Believe the police are out and it's skin 30. Um, <laughs> now, I've been around the world and I, I, I've seen a lot of different things. Um, I can't find my baby, and I don't know, I don't know why, but uh, I've been to England, and when I was in England, I had a really interesting conversation with a stranger, and I'll tell you the story up to the point that I have a story. I went to England, and I wanted to really, you know, understand the British people, and by that I mean I wanted to date a British person, so of course I dated an American that lived down the street. Anyway, we were walking down the street, and like tonight with her, I was just killing, like everything I said, you know, was just diamond, diamond, blood diamond, and I probably said something <laughs> accurate and pithy, you know, like... British people are always like, oi, you know, like hitting the nail on the head with the hammer of comedic accuracy. And she's like, you're so pithy and accurate. And um, halfway down the block, this man stopped in his tracks when I said that, and he kind of turned half-bodied to us. Not, I'm going this direction, but more of a, I better be ready to go either way. And I was like, is he waiting for us? I hope he's not waiting for us, because as I got closer, I saw who he was. He was a six-foot-two white gentleman in his mid-fifties. He had long white hair that went down to his shoulders. He was wearing black, head-to-toe, black leather boots, black pants, black shirt, black trench coat. And as I got closer, the two most important things were revealed, his eye patch and his cello case. You know, like an off-duty Bond villain on the way to practice. And he was like, yes? And I was like, no. Who are you? What's going on? You called me. You called my name. Sir, I don't even know what your name is. I'm just entertaining my girlfriend here with hilarious witticisms about the British slang. Because, you know, I've been here in your country, and you speak English, and I speak English, but I speak American English. We're two cultures that are separated by a common language. You ever heard that expression? Basically, what I'm saying is, our languages is the fact that we are eating different salads. You know what I mean? Like, I know my salad. I know all the flavors and all the textures of my stuff. Nothing surprises me, but I've been eating your salad, and there's like an extra crunchy crouton that got stuck in my, my gullet, and that crouton was just the expression, just some slang expression that I heard. I keep overhearing that expression. That crouton is the expression, oi, sir. That's all I was saying. Oi. And he goes, yes. I am oi. May I help you? And I was like, nice to meet you. And he shook my head and said, nice to meet you. And then he took off. The end. <laughs> Ever have an experience where you realize you are not the lead in the movie? <laughs> Nobody gave you a script, but they said, just be there at that time. You're like, I guess it's an experience. It's guerrilla filmmaking. <laughs> I think he was looking for the man that killed his brother, who in that exact moment was in New York, the exact opposite of oi. He's oi. There were two British people walking around Manhattan going, Americans are always like, yo. And oi's white wearing all black. Turns around a black man wearing all white. Oi is, has a cello case. Yo has the cello. Oi is missing an eye. Guess what yo wears in a necklace? Um, a lot of joke math. Anyway... That is a tangent. Won't you co-sign? Get out of here. Math jokes, too. 
I want to tell you my favorite joke since we are in the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, you know, the director of uh, um, Grand Budapest Hotel has been taking improv classes uh, right here at the UCB. And he's gotten so good at it that he's decided to change his name to Yes Anderson. Okay, guys. <laughs> Everybody punch a chicken because we're getting on a comedy train. Thanks, Michael McDonald. Are you guys ready for your first comedian of the night? Let me hear some energy. The first comedian coming out to the stage right now runs a show called Arguments and Grievances, which you can also get as a podcast. A round of applause, everyone, for Kevin White. Hello, Los Angeles. How we doing? We good? You're on the fence? Okay, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I'm in town from Chicago. It's good to see all you beautiful people. I'm going to tell you a bit about myself. I am currently like seven months sober. Um, and I, okay, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Normally people hoist me up and uh, blow me all at once, but that's fine. In Chicago, that's a big deal. You guys aren't as big of a drinking town, but I am a hero to some people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so don't be cheap with the applause, okay? Because I'm going to remember this set, and that is weird for me. Um, <laughs> I'm doing what I do. I am a lot funnier, a little bit of the goof juice in me, you know, so bear with me. But it's weird. It sucks, honestly. I'm real lucid. Uh, it's a bummer. It's not cool being sober. Uh, there are definitely things I miss, you know. Like, I aggressively leaned into you a second ago. Let me ask you a question. I feel like we're friends. What's your favorite part about drinking, huh? Everything. Everything. All right. You know what? I got some meetings you might be interested in. That sounded real... <laughs> Every, anything to make me forget they took my kids. I know, I get it. Like, just everything. The shakes, the DTs, the shits, huh? Great shits when you're drinking. Um, my favorite thing was always the food, you know? Does, like, a burrito ever taste better than 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Drunk food is the finest of the cuisines. Can we get on board with that idea? It's amazing, yes. It's always, like, the same thing, you know? So it's like a late night, like diner, or like a lot of times like Mexican food or fast food. When I was drinking just once, I wish I could have gone to a place that had real drunk food, you know, like a, like a fistful of ham, right? Mm, honey baked, right? Like, it's amazing. That restaurant would be the fucking best. You show up, it's just like five poorly stocked refrigerators you gotta rummage through, like a bear that found a campsite, you know? Oh, I found some tuna. Let's roll the dice. <laughs> Let's see what happens, right? We're like, oh, the chef's special. And the chef comes out, and he's twice as drunk as you are. He's like, I'm gonna... I'm gonna make you something really nice. He's not Italian, but he's racist when he drinks, all right? We don't judge him, though, because I made him up. All right, be cool, L.A., be cool. Dude, mess it. it is fun, man. I, uh, man, I, does anybody, does anybody here, like, know a guy? You know what I mean when I say know a guy? Is this thing, can I get more laughs in these speakers? Uh, when I, you're like, you know, like, hey, don't take care of that parking ticket. I know a guy, right? And it comes back, like, 
way worse, like a DUI. It's like, well, okay, thanks a lot, Jeff, because we had to use your friend, your lawyer friend, who's a juggalo. Like, oh, I just don't think you should wear the makeup in the courtroom. I think it's rude. I think it's disrespectful. Whoop, whoop. I object. Don't do that. You're not doing me any favors, right? So I know a guy that always knows a guy for any situation, and that guy is my brother, and he's why I don't know where my dead father is buried. <laughs> okay. Don't tighten up on me, guys, okay? You know what? Actually, before I get into the joke, we, can we, uh, we're all going to die, all right? Is that news, anybody? Get the fuck out of here, okay? You child. Uh, so just be cool, right? I'm going to take the piss out of it a little bit by slinging some goofs at your face, all right? So if you want to respect the dead, don't let me die up here, okay? So... I, yeah, so when my dad died, he didn't have any money. He just had debt, all right? And my brother knew a guy at the cemetery who could dig us a hole for free, so we went that route. And people are like, is this making you uncomfortable? Dude, it's going to get so much worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's disrespectful to the dead, right? I mean, he loved a deal. You didn't know the guy. He loved a deal, all right? I think you might have wanted it that way, really. How many funerals have you been to with a nervous groundskeeper leaning on a shovel? Like, can you guys hurry the fuck up? Uh, <laughs> it was nice, you know, I got to wear, we all wear black as a tactical advantage and respect, you know, tonight. Got to give a eulogy. My father was a great man. Headlights, duck. Like, so now this is how we do it in my family. But it wasn't, it didn't, you know, it wasn't a very big hole because we buried an urn because my dad, um, <laughs> he wanted to be cremated and he wanted the ashes buried, which is, okay, so <laughs> I don't know if this is like a thing. I'm not a religious person. He was kind of like conveniently Irish Catholic, you know, like when he needed it, you know, like I did some sin and we're going to church, like that kind of thing. <laughs> He said if his ashes weren't intact, he wouldn't get into heaven, which is putting a lot of cre uh, uh, faith in the, the people at the crematorium. One, to get all the ashes in, you know? Like one burnt up eyelash doesn't get in here and it's like damnation, solid logic, okay. Does anybody here know anybody who works at a crematorium? Have you ever seen anybody who works at a crematorium? Bunch of burnt up dum-dums, I assume. Probably not the hardest, you know, like, get them in there. Like, yeah, there we've all, you know, you can cut some corners, right? And that ruins the whole fun of a cremation. It's like you go on a <laughs> field trip with your dad and you strap him in and the shins do the soundtrack and you throw him off a cliff and dance around or something. That's how it's supposed to go. So I... Whatever. So we did that, right? So we buried the ashes, which is also, okay, here's where it gets worse. My dad, don't, don't fucking tighten up on me, dude. All right? Beardy. All right? Here's the thing. My dad uh, died of cirrhosis of the liver. He was an alcoholic when he died. Boo-hoo. All right, here we go. Uh, don't, I don't have time for you to feel feelings. Uh, but here's the thing. So, like, he, um, you know, died of cirrhosis of the liver, and he wanted to be cremated, you know, because he was an alcoholic. He was, like, 90 proof when he died. He, he's putting us all at risk. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't really want to invite him to, like, a barbecue, much less cremate him, because he's going to fucking kill me, right? So... 
Don't do that. If you wanted to save money on the funeral, maybe just instead stick a rag in his mouth, light it on fire, throw him into a riot, because he's a walking Molotov cocktail. You smell what I'm stepping in? You know? It's that. <laughs> Plus, you know, like... He was an organ donor, which is stupid for an alcoholic to be, because it's like, is there anything good left, right? Or do you think everything's going to be pickled and preserved inside of them when they cut them open, just which is a sign an alcoholic makes when you cut them open? Like cracking open a tall boy after a long day at the mill, you know? All right, guys, I'm all out of time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Some more time. Okay. <laughs> Kevin White, everybody. I got stuck behind the curtain. I couldn't tell the difference between the curtain and my own clothes. Am I right? Everybody at home, I'm wearing all black. Um, ready for more show? Uh, this next comedian is, uh, is fantastic, and uh, we were just uh, reminiscing about a great sports legend. Backstage named Flojo. That's what we call a horrible introduction. I just want to let you guys know. When you hear somebody say something like that, it's like, is this a good introduction? Does anybody ever I want that? They don't. A round of applause for Anthony Jeselnik, everybody. So, uh, what do you? Are you working on some new stuff tonight, or what are you, yes, what are you thinking? Yes, I got. I have no material now that my specials come out, and I have to come up with new stuff, and it's the worst. It's like painful. You just have to like humiliate yourself, <laughs> and then you go home and you like write better jokes because you're so mad. So that's what I'm gonna be doing tonight. You know, when you say you, you should say I because that's not my process, baby. No, I think that's what your process should be. Oh, you know okay. I, mean? I just got jezelnicked. Um, but you also write what I would consider some very tight, well-constructed jokes. So your process is very... Mine is all ranty, make no sense. Oh, sure. I mean, everyone considers my jokes, you know, tight. Some of the best I've ever written. Best ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what you do is, is different. Not better or worse, but just different. Well, I can tell by the way that you... Your eyebrows went up on worse. <laughs> yeah. What you felt about it. Yeah. But, um, so does that take you... <laughs> does it take you longer to, to decide that a joke is ready? That you accept it? Right now, I have like a lower bar because I need just to get time together. Like yeah. I need that like 15 minutes so I can start working that and then like replacing stuff. So in the beginning, it's just like what gets a laugh. I'm gonna have to deal with it. But I, I'm hoping that one or two of these is a big laugh, and then I'm like, okay, right, that's that's good. That'll be in the next hour. Are you finding any commonalities in the themes? Like. What's on your brain that you're kind of interested in talking about? No, I'm just trying to stay away from stuff I have talked about, which mm. is tough. You know, I, I'm interested in death and awful things still. You know, well, luckily, not to... luckily, death happens every day. So. Exactly. There's that's always why, a new laugh that's why in the I, obit section. That's why I can turn out a new hour every couple of years. Okay. Know, it's easy. Is that, uh, that going to be the next, uh, just a rumination on death? No, no. That could be a good name for... dark, but uh, hopefully I get out of that a little bit. You Do know, you think so. about writing your opus? Like your Mr. Holland, but like um, a, like a requiem, like uh, like a death march. I mean, I have jokes. thought about doing a remake of Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> like I think that would just be. I think the time is right. You know what I mean? Before, That's true. Before Dreyfus kicks, you know what I mean? Get him back in there. And you're kind of like a young Richard Dreyfus if he had much better genetics. Anyway. Yeah, that's a good way of saying I'm nothing like Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> yes. Anthony Jezelnik. Check out his uh, special on uh, Netflix. Parent company. 
That's my that's my impression. I could do a good. Uh, um, I always do that when I'm on the show. I always love doing uh, Don Pardo from Saturday Night Live. That's my life. Ellen Cleghorn, <laughs> Rachel Trunch, Nora Dunn, <laughs> Tim Kazarinsky, <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus. A cartoon by Robert Smigel. <laughs> Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> Musical guest Technotronic. <laughs> and your host, does anybody remember? Fred Savage. It was Technotronic and Fred Savage. <laughs> More show. I'm gonna keep it rolling. That's how we do. When your name is Golan. I just read an article about an ancient civilization in which it was a person named that. It's the only thing that my brain thought of to rhyme. Because in rap, you always want to go for the ancient civilization reference. <laughs> Taking it down. I ain't no Estonian. I get ancient. Babylonian. You know, something like that. <laughs> Estonia exists today. Coming up next, this next comedian... Just got back from the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. A round of applause for Emma Wilman. Thank you so much. All right. Baron Vaughn, everybody. Yay! Cool. Great. I'm excited to meet you guys. My name, Emma Wilman, if... If I say it too fast, Emma Wilman can sound like I just said, I am a woman. So sometimes I'll meet people and they'll be like, yeah, that's cool. We were pretty sure. And I'm going to be 100% honest. Usually I wouldn't like get to this so quick in a set, but I'm struggling recently. Like I've been like kind of going back and forth with trying to get sober. Anybody else? All right. And I tried going to an AA meeting. This is what happened. Uh, I go into this meeting, and it was... I went with a friend, and it was like, big woman, little woman, big woman, little woman, big woman. Whatever. The first woman's like, I went on a cruise, and I didn't binge eat on the buffet. And everyone was like, good job, Barbara. And I was like, good job, Barbara. And then the next woman's like, I went home for a family function, and I didn't overeat on my mom's lasagna. That's my trigger food. Everyone was like, good job, Kelly. I was like, good job, Kelly. After five of these, I realized I'm at the wrong meeting. So I stood up. I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't actually have a problem with overeating. And the biggest one of the group goes, it's okay. None of us do. (laughs) Okay. I was like, all right, cool. And then she said, I'll never forget it. She was like, this is a, this isn't an AA. I was like, I'm looking for an AA meeting. She was like, okay, the AA meeting's down the hall. This is actually a lesbian Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And I clicked into dirtbag moan real quick. I was like, what? This is lesbian away? I eat too many cookies from time to time. Ladies, what's up? Look, I got a Twizzler in my pocket right now. What's going on? I got distracted. It's like, for the cute one, get away, everyone else. I'm visiting from New York. I live in New York, but I grew up in rural Maine. I grew up in a town of 800 people. So like where I grew up, we had... We only had one Jewish person. He was my best friend. His name was Sam, the Jewish person. <laughs> my buddy. Lots of pressure on him because everything he did, we were like, is that a Sam thing or a Jewish thing? <laughs> no one knew. I was just like, well, Jewish people love guacamole. <laughs> I see you. 
I got to college. I had a Jewish roommate. She was like, is this going to be weird? Like, do you know anything about Jewish culture? And I was like, won't be weird. I love guacamole, so <laughs> we're good. We are good. My mom's still in my, my tiny hometown. Uh, you know, she's like a little muffin. She is... She's worried about me. She calls me all the time, leaves me these mom voice messages where she'll be like, hey, it's your mother. That's how she starts every voice message. Hey, it's your mother. Like I would ever get a voice message from my own mom, be like, I don't know who the fuck that was. I mean, it was weird. I asked her once, like, hey, who do you think I talked to that would leave me a similar voice message to you? Just call me up, like, hey, I was looking at pictures of you in the tub as a baby. Cute. <laughs> Call me back when you can. You know who this is. It's uh, Rodrigo, your landlord. Like, <laughs> I hate New York. She gave me this advice, actually, right before I did the Montreal show. She was like, uh, she's like, okay, you're going to Canada. That's abroad. I was like, yeah. You should talk about something that's universal and relatable to everybody. Something that transcends race, class, and gender and brings a room full of strangers together around one unifying topic. You should talk about the fact that your father is an asshole. <laughs> like, oh, oh, thanks, Mom. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I was always in the closet in my hometown and I used to ask, I used to be like, anyone in the closet here tonight? And then, and you know, guys would always be like, don't flinch, don't flinch, ah, Tommy flinch, Tommy's gay, ah. <laughs> But I do a lot of college shows, and I did it at a college, and a girl raised her hand. It was unbelievable. She was like, yeah, I'm coming out. Just raised her hand, big auditorium, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> I'm not actually equipped to facilitate this interaction. <laughs> Put it out, go back in. <laughs> and I'm going to do that. But I was in the class about two things, and the biggest thing at the time was my dyslexia. Like, that was the biggest, because I was on the playground, like, Karen and Tom kissing in a tree, K-I-S-S-72. <laughs> two sevens, one seven, I don't know. And then the first thing I came out about, because that was what was affecting me more, like, I thought maybe I was gay. I had a crush on Nala from The Lion King. Do you guys remember Nala? <laughs> Whew, all about it, I loved her. And in retrospect, what was weird is I was more concerned about having a crush on a girl than on the fact that I liked a lion. I swear to God, I was telling my friends, like, I like Nala, not Simba. And they had the insight to be like, you shouldn't like either of them, they're cartoon lions. <laughs> also, side note, I just told my good friend that, and he goes, I get it, dude. I used to want to fuck that chubby teapot from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> you got to keep that stuff to yourself. I said something weird, you just jumped. But the dyslexia was what I felt like, you know, I think you identify a lot with what you're the most repressed by. So the dyslexia, that was like, that was my main thing. So one day, eighth grade, sat my dad down. I was like, dad, something's affecting me at school. I need to come out to you. He was like, okay, honey, I've been going to support groups. I've been reading books. Come out to me. He whipped out this little manual. He was like, all right. Come out. And I was like, oh, I'm dyslexic. He was like, I'm going to the wrong support groups, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I always hated that they called dyslexia learning disability and then they don't give you any of the benefits of being disabled. Like, 
There's no handicap parking. There's nothing. And I've tried. I pulled into the spots. And they're like, what's your disability? And I try to play it off. I'm like, I'm dyslexic. I can't read the sign. <laughs> it's a picture. I'm like, son of a bitch. Where's my sign? Like, right next to the person in a wheelchair, someone just holding a book, like... All right, I'm gonna say these last couple things real quick because it's a treat to be, it is a treat to be here, but okay, I'm gonna tell you guys a story. So, my mom, who I mentioned before, okay, she's so open-minded, like she's a little, she's a little liberal muffin, like she blames things on Republicans you can't even blame on human beings. Like she's like, it's freezing out fucking Ronald Reagan. So what I'm about to say is like this is the best mom story. It just summarizes everything. So after college, I was dating someone really into sex toys, and I ordered like $800 worth of sex toys. I just went on a website and clicked select all. All right, okay. <laughs> and I was staying at my mom's, and I remember they came in all these like nondescript boxes. I felt like such a boss. I was like, yeah, yeah, bring in the dicks. Okay, cool. Right there. And I made this whole penis pile, and one of them was this. You guys know that porn star James Dean? Yes, great. So I, he has a penis, good for him, and uh, you can buy it, so good for me. So, but it's huge, it's crazy, like it's the kind of, it's like this. It's like the kind of thing when you get it, you have to present it to your partner like it's a joke. You have to be like, look what I ordered on accident, like ha ha ha, unless, okay, no, all right, fine. I was kidding, comedian over here. But I ordered all that stuff and I put the James Dean penis on top of the penis pile, and I thought my mom was out of town. And I got in bed and I was like drinking wine and reading self-help books or whatever you do. <laughs> and then I heard her come home and I'm like, oh shit, she's gonna see a penis pile? Sticks her head in the room, doesn't see it. She's like, I'm back early from vacation. Why do you look so uncomfortable right now? What the hell is that? <laughs> Freaks out, swoops down, I swear to God, picks up the James Dean penis. receive this I wasn't expecting that I was like I, I, I guess I mean I don't know I was gonna wear it I guess and she goes ah. <sighs> whoever receives the penis should be the one picking out and determining the size of the penis <laughs> tossed it at me and then she and I was like how did you just mom that <laughs> thank you guys very much I appreciate it I'm a woman thank you Emma Wellman. Moving right along, the next comedian coming to the stage has a comedy album coming out on stand-up records called Tiny Idiot, available in February. A round of applause for Derek Sheen. Vaughn, everybody. Oh, what a great show. Um, hello. hello. That was really energetic. I liked it. I like your energy. I like where you guys delivered it. Um, I am uh, I'm officially on 30 milligrams of citalopram, uh, which is an antidepressant because I live in Seattle, and so you have to be on them. Uh, if you're not on them, just do them. Just get on them. It's super fun. Do you know what it's like to be happy against your will? <laughs> That is amazing. 
I had a string of... When you're sad, you say things that are cries for help that you veil as jokes. Like, you wrap them in a joke, and then you say them, and when people call you on it, you go, I was just kidding. I had a string of those in a row where I was like, all right, I gotta fucking take a pill. This is getting crazy. Like, first off, my doctor... Uh, did my blood work, and he goes, you're looking real good, your weight is kind of an issue, you need to start watching your weight. And I go, yeah, well, I could do that, I just gotta stop eating cookie dough every night off the barrel of my gun. <laughs> had a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm gonna go get a massage, man, wish me luck, hope I get a happy ending, and I go, I probably can't bring my dad back to life. You just say things and you don't even think about it. My 11-year-old nephew is having his birthday party and I went to visit and he comes running up and he's like, Uncle D, I'm 11 years old today. What's it like when I'm going to be your age? And I go, oh man, Cole, you get to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Uh, if you get a car, you can drive anywhere, go wherever you want. You're the boss of you. Ooh, oh my God, you can watch any movie you want. No one can tell you what movies to watch. And uh, sometimes you just pull out your high school yearbook and... Start dialing numbers, seeing if anybody's still around. <laughs> Sometimes, Cole, if your dreams don't work out, you just find yourself sitting in the car thinking about all the shots you missed, all the chances you didn't take. And then you open the garage door and let all the exhaust out. You know, high five, little man, high five. High five. Now I'm willingly taking a pill that makes me, when I'm on it, I'm 100% flaccidly impotent. And I don't give a shit. I don't. I don't care. You, dudes don't understand, like, when this is shut off completely, I've regained, like, eight gigs of hard drive space in my head. <laughs> Very organized. Uh, I was in Portland, Oregon uh, recently. I love to, like, I just, I love to cook when, I'm, when, I'm, when I get a chance. I just, I love, I just love to make food. And uh, I went into a butcher shop in Portland that I yelped. I was like, oh, there's got to be one in the neighborhood. My idea of a butcher shop is typically, like, clean white subway tiles, uh, very surgical, lots of uh, cold cases stacked end-to-end, fluorescent lights, every kind of chop and, uh, tr- and trotter and snout, and it's got that plastic green grass in the front to make the meat look like it's in its natural environment. And, <laughs> and there's like a 70-year-old retired Korean war vet, just a fucking blood-soaked apron, and he doesn't make eye contact with you because if he sees you reflected in his pupils, he's going to fucking go bananas. So he, and he sells you meat, and that's it. And that's a butcher shop. And in Portland... I walked into something very unique. It was very dark, repurposed pallet wood on the walls and, and naked hanging Edison bulbs and a makeshift DJ stand in the corner <laughs> where a dude was just spinning clan of Zymox. And I was like, fuck, I'm in a hipster butcher shop, okay? I'm going to ask if they have pork chops. Pretty sure the answer is going to be no, but I'm here. And I, before I get any further, I do love independent small businesses that locally source. They're artisanal. They craft their own shit. I love that. I love it. I would shop there all the time. The thing I don't like is the people who fucking work there. <laughs> Whether it's record stores or bike parts or co- small, co- small batch coffee roasters are the fucking worst. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. I saw a person in front of me uh, at a plate. They ordered, uh, they ordered a venti, and the woman just went off on her. The venti's not a real size. That's a Starbucks size. Pipe the fuck down. You know it's a medium? Get them a medium. 
Guess what, everybody? You still work fucking retail. Take it down a notch, okay? I would have shopped there all the time if the answer to do you have pork chops was, dude, I wish we had pork chops. We don't. Um, we do something kind of unique here. I know it says butcher shop. That's very misleading. Uh, we actually like, make a lot of terrines in mason jars. And, uh, oh, man, we make a duck liver and lavender pate. It is to die for. Uh, we have a lot of small batch. I mean, we know we locally source a few chickens and, uh, and roosters. We, make our, uh, we have a little smoker in the back. We have a charcuterie. Oh, God. You should try next time you're in town. Come in, get a tureen, get some crackers. We have a stone mill in the back. We make our own crackers. We would love that. I, I, we don't have what you need. I wish we did. I would have shopped there all the time. But instead, what I got was... <sighs> For the hundredth time today, we do something special here. It's unique. Um, I don't know if you know what a tureen is, um, but you can Google it on your smartphone. Otherwise, there's a Safeway next door where you can get pork chops. Hey, fuck you for a second. <laughs> fuck you and your dumb curly mustache face. All you had to do was be nice to me. I know I look like a doughy shithead, but be nice to me. Be nice to me. And then at the end of the day, you can stuff your hate inside. And then you punch out of your rusty time clock you bought at an antique mall. <laughs> and you get on your motorized unicycle and you fucking ride over to Ioni or Piper's house or whatever your dumb hipster friends name themselves. And you can shit talk the fat asshole that wanted pork chops at your invite-only silk pajama party at your synth band's practice space, conveniently located above a small batch absinthe distillery, while you guys smoke vintage doll hair out of pipes you bought on Etsy that are made out of old 78s of bands nobody else has ever heard of. And, oh, and we're going to listen to music on Edison cylinders. Oh, it's so pure and beautiful. Oh, unless our friend Marzipan comes over, you know, with his ironic skullet and his 8-bit microsynth, and he's always like, who here likes authentic Atari 2600 music? But only the games no one else liked. And you're like, everything we do is unique. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if you raised a fucking milking pig in the, on a 1,200-thread count Egyptian cotton sheet and hand-fed it candied walnuts while the movie Brian song plays in the background on an endless loop until one day the pig just succumbs to its own ennui and holds its breath and passes peacefully and voluntarily in a barn made of thousand-year-old repurposed wood from an ancient spice trading vessel. You're a fucking meat barista, okay? And nobody spells Zane with an X. You fucking did that. That's, you made that up. That's not a real thing. I hit a kid with my car recently. I don't know how to feel about it because he turned out to be okay. Hit the hood real fucking hard. Uh, they released him that night from the hospital. They, parents did not press charges on me. Here's why I'm having a problem with it. Because I left the hospital, got in my car, and started it. And for the first time in six years, my air conditioner kicked on. <laughs> and I don't know how to feel, because I'm kind of fucking happy I hit that kid. It's like a $1,000 job. You guys have been so good. Thank you so much for having me out. Derek Sheen. All right. Moving right along, um, the next comedian coming to the stage uh, is one of Comedy Central's featured comedians, 
to watch. I believe they say comics. Incorrect term. A round of applause, everyone, for Matt Ingebretson. Matt Ingebretson, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Just performed on Put Your Hands Together. Feeling good, feeling great. They know that. Okay, They're great. They're listening to this interview right, right now. I'm going to go now. Don't go. Okay, I'm back. Here Please we go. Please don't go. <laughs> Baron, you did a rap about me earlier. Can you... Can you feel like you got that yeah. in your head still? Matthew in Gabretson, you gotta wear it like a hat, it's a Stetson. You get Georgie mm-hmm. like Borch and the Jetsons. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to know you can't forget, mm-hmm. son. God, um, that's a horrible Baron, let me interview you for a minute. No, How don't. does it feel being the most uh, per- perform- or, uh, talented performer in Los Angeles? Um, well, that's a weird question, especially <laughs> because most of California will disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> most of California and Hollywood, right? Speaking of what, how are you feeling about your stuff right now? Where, where are you in your stand-up genesis? My stand-up, I feel good. We got a great show called Good Heroin every Saturday at Stories Books and Cafe at eight o'clock. That's right, it's a great show. Um, great show. I feel good. I mean, I uh, am doing a lot of stand-up. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm over the hump of like. I feel like I'm in in LA. I'm gonna perform at a lot of fun shows. People know you. People, I see your name around. People are just like, yeah, Matt's funny. He's consistent. Matt's funny. He's consistent. That's what I want to be known as. As a as my my uh, memoir will just be. Like, I was consistent. <laughs> a lot of people's memoirs yeah. cannot be called consistent. <laughs> you should be proud of that. Um, but yeah, I'm doing a lot of stand up. I'm writing a lot of stuff. I'm yeah. making short films. What are you aiming for right now? What are you for? In terms of what you what, what is it that you're looking for in your stand up right now? In my stand-up, I want to wanna be, um, continue to get looser and sillier, sillier on stage. Yeah. I feel like I, I have a very structured, written act, and I want to continue to, like, uh, get a little uh, sillier and crazier. Hmm. A structured act, and you want to get sillier and crazier. You're saying that you lock down too much in your writing, and... I sometimes wish I want to be, yeah, I, I sometimes, I am disappointed in myself if I have a set where I only say what I have written or rehearsed beforehand. Now, that being said, you're someone who has the one of the most dynamic acts in town, but it is rehearsed and written, correct? It's like, it's not, and I don't mean that in a bad way, it is not super spontaneous, even though it might feel that way. Right? No, I mean, it's a little of both, you know, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of places where I leave myself room to kind of, like, I'll, I'll, I'll construct the room, but I won't decide where it is that I'm going to sit Sure, right. Yeah, inside yeah, yeah. that little piece inside of a bit. Right. So it's like sometimes I give myself those places where I can be expansive. Yes. But some people might call it being completely all over the place and unfocused. <laughs> uh-huh. he's, he's, uh, he's something to watch, but I could not follow a word. Uh-huh. But anyway, so but I appreciate that compliment. Is yeah. that what you, so what is it that made you think that you were getting too locked into your act? Something well, when I when I first started, I very I was like very much like basically trying to rip off Zach Galifianakis and just like very specific short one-liners, and I'm trying to just continue to like break away from that and like talk about whatever. And I think I have basically have. Oh boy, I'm letting whoever's listening to this in way too much on my. I don't think there's such a thing, Matt. Yeah. Because as as long as you understand it, these are comedy fans that we're talking to. They're interested in process, I hope. (laughs) Most of them are probably going like, this is not Cameron, I'm upset. How do you feel about being mysterious, though? What do you think about, like, never giving interviews, like, like pushing away and just being somebody who puts out, like, interesting things and that's the end of it? Um, What do I think?
think about that, I think that's great. Yeah. It's really hard to do that these days because right. there's media everywhere in our faces. I mean, yes. part of the media we're in charge of now. We put it in the hands of everyday mofocus. Right, yeah, yeah. That's why it's called social media. Uh-huh. Because motherfuckers think it's the same as being social. Yeah, it's putting right. out this image of themselves right. and what it is they think they believe. Yes, this like idea of yourself that exactly. you're like, creating. But that's interesting if we can you know, get through it. Yeah. If we can learn something from it. Twitter is feeling more and more like a chore to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I also don't like Vine. I don't do Vine. Well, there's nothing wrong with not doing any of that, Matt, and just yeah. concentrating on stand-up and making that's right you know, films or whatever you want to do. Sure. I don't yeah. know what you want to do. What do you want to do? You're doing season two of uh, Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Yeah, we just we're finishing shooting it right now. So oh, awesome. that, that'll be out some point next year. Are you shooting in LA? Yeah. That's great. That's so awesome. anyone, anyone, audience, anybody listening that uh, knows what Grace and Frankie is, it's a show that I'm on. I play the black person yeah. <laughs> on the show. You might not yeah. know that, but now you know. It doesn't really matter. Uh-huh. It's all about Matt. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm developing a pilot right now, and we have Ooh, you and mine getting, for a little, a little part. We're getting Hollywood right now, now people. Who, now, who knows? You know, you can never promise anybody a part, but you're someone who um, we think of all the time for shit. Oh, I appreciate that, Matt. Well, let's go uh, be more Hollywood off the podcast. Goodbye, comedy fans. Bye, comedy fans. Yeah. A little process yeah. and a little snob sess. <laughs> Matt Kingabretson. I was just rhyming uh, Matt's name backstage with uh, Stetson, as in the hat. Jetson, as in the George. <laughs> and don't forget, son, as in what you should remember. Good silence. I wanted to see if you were capable of it. I wanted to see if you were capable of really, truly doubting me and everything that I am. I wanted you to feel like my family. Um, Don't, oh. Some people didn't have a dad, and I'm so happy because we're having a great time tonight. (laughs) Didn't have a dad, turned it into jokes. If I had a successful father or one that was even there, which I guess is a success as my life is concerned. Instead of a comedy show, we would be at a bank right now and I would be telling you why you are not getting back a ridiculous amount of overdraft fees. But instead, we're at a comedy show. Thanks, Dad. Hard to abandon a child these days with Twitter and Facebook. Because then you have to commit to never checking in on Foursquare. Just kind of like, oh, I want to abandon my family, but I love social media. What's me gonna do, girl? Like, I saw a picture of my dad. I don't even remember what he looks like. Effective, you know what I mean? If I could, like, go in, like, the freaking, you know, albums from 2005 and be like, wow, he's getting old, that would be totally different. Checking out my dad like an ex-girlfriend. Oh, look at the family he chose. Um, I hope that hurt you. Now for the end of the show, we're going. Don't you know we gotta get down? I don't know why I sing all the time. You know, to mask the hatred. Um, Some people use alcohol. I use show tones. Um, Coming up next to the stage, lastly, but definitely not leastly, this man's a solid gentleman. He's a hilarious person that I consider a force of nature equal to the likes of Patricia. A round of applause for Stephen. Brody Stevens. Yeah. Uh, 
Give it up for Baron Vaughn. Let him hear it. Yes, I startled a black man. That's what I did. That's what I did. Um, yes, I'm wearing a hat tonight. It's, it's hat weather. It's, uh, part of me, if my mind is scattered, I'm parked behind a salad canister at Gelson's right now. Um, stay with me. Security guard watching. Who, who's, why is there a security guard all of a sudden at the Gelson's parking lot? It's new to me. Thank you for laughing. I just got done wrapping up a three-hour periscope. I play comedy clubs, large rooms, or cell phones on, on Periscope. So basically, I'm doing Periscope intimately and getting good at it. Drumming on my car steering wheel in the Rose Bowl parking lot. True story. Because I care about architecture. Architecture. I care about history. I drove around the Rose Bowl today. I was thinking, this is where the, the Super Bowl. Rams and Steelers, Dolphins and am I high? Yeah, but I know you know I know what I'm talking about. I respect architecture. I'm from here. Who's from here? Who's who's from here? Not many of you. So I'm in charge. I go into the valley. I go and when I drive by Crown Liquor, what's it called? <laughs> what's it called? The cartoon guy? Come on, I'm on a vapor drug. Thank you. Cart yes, you're a good guy. I like your. Who said that? You or you? Uh, me. Good. You're a good guy. Oh, you're bad. Oh, you're you know somebody. You're supportive. You were backstage. Yeah, I was up earlier. Oh, you were up earlier. Now it's a two-man show. <laughs> I come here with the force of Patricia. I was broken up over Mexico. Play hardball with me? Is that what we're gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> next guy? I take care of my mother. I take her to Costco, Trader Joe's, Sherman's Deli in Palm Desert. Where were you yesterday? Did you walk your mom's dog today? Twice? Did you periscope in a Walmart? <laughs> Listening to uh, Slipknot, greatest hits album? <laughs> I know what I'm doing. This is up to me. I'm going to lose this. I'm walking. I want to get my steps in. Who wants to walk with me after the show? Like Kevin Hart does a 5K in every city. I do a nighttime walk up into Hollywood Hills with uh, selected people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Late night five block walk. Walking matters. I'm telling you. There's no denying. 9-11, never forget. Turn around and look. <laughs> Too hard of a laugh, let them walk. I notice 9 11 all the time. I lived in New York City. Anybody here live in New York City? Nobody. I did. <laughs> who grew up? Who was born in the San Fernando Valley? Anybody here? Woo. You were? Mm -hmm. where, 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 where were you? Where were you? Oh, you're next to Jake. Good yeah. style. Where were you born? Northridge, home of the earthquake. She might have been born around the earthquake time. I went to Reseda High School. I, where did, you know where the Karate Kid apartment is? Let me ask you another question. How, this shirt, they should have put like 
something on. I get it fluffed and fold. I get it fluffed and folded. You fluff and fold, I go fluffed and folded. Thank you for being supportive. Was that you or you? Who was being supportive? You and you, not you. Okay. Arms, arms crossed negative, good beard, too comfortable, bundled up, legs crossed, holding on the purse, holding back. I'm going with it. A very, it's a positive posture facing, facing Runyon. It's over there. You're bundled up, arms crossed negative. You're cool. She's drinking. I like it. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Where are you from? Uh, Fresno. Fresno. What? That's okay. What do you do down here? Uber? No, how do, what's wrong with that? At least he's not stuck up on the Colorado Boulevard. Dude, yeah, here's the deal. I don't make fun of that stuff. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He was driving on the shoulder, speeding, and he forgot to wear his safety harness. You're wearing a safety harness? You're already, that's not normal. So, thank God you're not known for the guy who wears a safety harness and a Ford Focus. You're known for a guy who got stuck up on the, the billboard. Sorry, don't speed. Think about it. Oh, I'm a bad guy? Because I watch the news? I'm not making light of it. That's all? Thank you for laughing, though. Where, are you, where were you born? Orange. Orange. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Okay, there. I picked up on the, the Christian uh, Chapman University energy. You don't think I've been to the block at Orange? I saw Finding Nemo at the block at Orange. I used to hang out at the skate park at the block at Orange. You hate me for that? We're, we're, you look familiar. Have I seen you before? Are you on collegehumor.com? Is that a mirror from College Humor? Thank you. Oh, you're gonna, you want tension! <laughs> Where'd you go to high school? I was in Miami. So Miami, there you go. It's got a Mark Anthony vibe coming at me. <laughs> well, I've been to Miami. I've been to Hollywood, Florida. I've been to the hotel where Anna Nicole Smith was found dead. You want to go death again? You brought it out of me. I said I wouldn't talk about death. But I got the one guy giving me attitude from Miami. What do I think about? Hollywood, Florida. The Hard Rock, Hollywood, Florida. You know what I'm talking about. So they found Anna Nicole Smith. I worked there. Those shows. Let me do a couple more crowd works because... Um... <laughs> Let me do a couple more crowd works. Where are you from? You got good colors. I like it. You look, are you a runner? That's a running vibe. Boston. There you go. Everybody runs in Boston. Spent a lot of time in Boston. Really surprised. The, the girls in Boston have really strong legs. Give it up for Boston and Rockports. I'm very... Am I right, though? They run. I'm wrong? You're going to make me feel awkward. I spent a lot of time in Boston. I've been to Fenway Park. I've been to New Hampshire. Derry, New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, birthplace of Sarah Silverman. And is uh, Sandler from there too? Where's Adam Nashua. Sandler from? Nashua. Who said that? Way to get specific. <laughs> Somebody look it up and see. I, 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 for some reason, I don't know about this Nashua. <laughs> Google, Sand, Google Sandler and uh, Silverman, see if Nashua pops up. Now, they had a double-A baseball team, I think. Now, you're, you would know. You're like, you're, do you, did you know that? No. Did you know they had a baseball team? Type Na Nashua. 
Double A Mariners, I believe. At one point, they were double A for the Mariners. Seattle Mariners. Well, Tony, please help me. All right, I know i got to wrap it up here soon. You guys are nice. And I said to myself, I want to be nice because I can get edgy if I take those. I'm working out. What can I tell you? Doing my kettlebells. I feel better. Keep it going. For, guys, by the way, I've been off Lexapro now for six days. Yes, cold turkey against my doctor's orders. I'm starting to get brain zaps. I'm fighting through it. Likes make me nervous. Likes make me nervous. Pete, um, I don't do it for that. I don't do it for numbers. You do it for moments. Moments. That's how you book jobs in this town. Who here wants to work in Hollywood? I wander. The hands, you like the hands. That's more of me being like a little amped up. But I had a, I had a Jersey Mike's, Jersey Mike's, New Jersey Michaels today. It was good. <laughs> that's funny. That's a, that was a tweet that I, that I used a long time ago. And uh, okay, I liked it. I never said it on stage. I just said it on stage tonight. And I wasn't thought, I wasn't going to get that New Jersey Michaels. <laughs> I got it out. I did go to New Jersey Mike's today. And uh, the one in North Hollywood. That's franchise. That's not a corporate location. It's a little shady in there. Uh, <laughs> that's a North Hollywood. But it's, I just couldn't eat. I had to get out of there. But I ate it. It was good quality. You're a good crowd. You're good people. I'm sensing good things for you this coming week. <laughs> Tuesday, right? This next show, I don't know what the deal is. They gotta come out in and out. What's the deal? Okay. Next show's the hot show. There's another show after that. What am I doing this week? Thursday. I'll be at the M no comedy store. And then I got other stuff going on. I had a great time tonight. Um, positive push. And uh, is there anybody here from Split Cider? Anybody here? <laughs> I know all the comedy references. Guys, thank you very much. You got a great show after. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Steven. Brody. Stevens. SBS, SBS. <laughs> well, audience, I hope you feel. I hope you feel tickled. You found out the deal like a pickle. That your economy trickled down in. The, okay, I got nothing else. Um, that's it, right? I should leave and let everyone go. What? Keep them for 14 more minutes? Okay. So anyway, here's some thoughts about Shakespeare. Now that's the end of the show, guys. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Put your hands together. 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 Put your hands together.
Put your hands together, get ready to laugh with your hands together. Put your hands together, get ready to clap with your hands together. Put your hands together. Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.